You know, the future that God has for you is very good. And he continually wants to speak it over you. I just felt that this was important uh, before I get into the message tonight, just to remind you, he does care about your future. He does want to speak into it. He wants to speak it to you by his Holy Spirit. And he said that he reveals it first and then it comes to pass. So this is important for you. You see, when God's putting something on your heart, speak it out. If God's giving you something to do, talk about it with someone you love. If you think, oh, I'm just thinking about this. You know, God speaks with a still, small voice sometimes, and you just thinking about it could be him. So go ahead and talk with someone about it. And let it go out, because it must be revealed and spoken first. Okay? Uh, You're like, I want to get married someday. You're going to have to speak that first. You can't just keep that to yourself forever. It's not going to happen. If you're not even able to speak it, how will it happen? Think about that for a minute. So go ahead, be in prayer, and speak things. And speak healthy things over one another. This is not the message, but I feel this is important. What are you speaking over one another in your families, in your friendships? Are you speaking good things? Are you speaking God things? Let me say it that way. When you go to speak over other people, have an attitude that says, I'm going to speak God things about and over other people. That could be a good message someday. But we're going to just go with that. The Holy Spirit said, speak God things over other people. Okay? What do I mean by that? You get together and you want to, you know, you're speaking about somebody in the family or somebody at work. You can speak garbage things or you can speak God things. It's up to you. Why do I know that? Well, because there's always garbage. You go home. I know, I take out the garbage at home. I don't know where it grows from. But every day, there's more garbage. There's always garbage. But hey, why don't we speak God things? Because there's a lot of God things at our home too. And just a little bit of garbage that has to go out. So church, right now, I want you to think of somebody you work with. Okay? So somebody you work with or work for, if you're a single person, like you work by yourself, somebody you work with or for, and I want you to think of a God thing you can speak over them. Whoever that was that came to your mind, what's one God thing you can speak over them? So I don't have to talk about a mistake he made a month ago. <laughs> God things. He could do the same for me. He could find a mistake for me or a God thing. So God things are important. So it's spoken. That allows it to be possible. People have choices, but it's not possible if we don't speak it first. Isn't that cool? You want to bring something to life? Speak it first. We are going to talk about living in victory, and this is the start of a brand new series. So we're going to do a little bit of an overview today and not go real deep, but hit on some main points. Now, living in victory is something that Christ wants us to do. And I really felt, hey, if we're going to talk about living in victory, we should start by looking at a story of victory. And being that we just had Remembrance Day, I think it would be appropriate to look at a story of war and something from Canada. So I wanted to take a minute to just talk about Canada and Vimy Ridge because Canada was a part of World War I and they were asked to come and join the fight over in Europe 
and fight against the Germans who were kind of intent on taking over the world. And I'm just going to read a few things from this article by Tim Cook about the Battle of Vimy Ridge. It says the Canadian corps were ordered to seize Vimy Ridge in April 1917. Situated in northern France, the heavily fortified 7-kilometer ridge held a commanding view over the Allied lines. The Canadian corps would be assaulting over an open graveyard since previous French attacks had failed with over 100,000 casualties. So the Canadian troops were being asked to go seize and take this ridge, but to get there, there was a land that looked like this, dirt blown up from shells and war and mud and rain, and over 100,000 people out there dead from previous battles. But to capture this difficult position, the Canadians would carefully plan and rehearse their attack. To provide greater flexibility and firepower in battle, the infantry were given specialist roles as machine gunners, riflemen, grenade throwers. These same soldiers underwent weeks of training behind the lines using models to represent the battlefield. This had never been done before, but the Canadians did it there. And they had new maps crafted from aerial photographs to guide their way. And to bring the men forward safely, engineers dug deep tunnels from the rear of the battle to the front. I'm not going to read the whole article to you. I'm going to skip ahead a bit. But they were sent, and every one of the divisions of the Canadian Army that were there went together. And it said, attacking together from the first, for the first time, the four Canadian divisions stormed the ridge at 5.30 a.m., and on the 9th of April of 1917, 5.30 a.m., more than 15,000 Canadian infantry overran the Germans all along the front. Incredible bravery and discipline allowed the infantry to continue moving forward under heavy fire even when their officers were killed. There were countless acts of sacrifice as Canadians single-handedly charged machine gun nests or forced the surrender of Germans in protective dugouts. Hill 145 the highest and most important feature of the ridge and where the Vimy, Vimy Monument now stands was captured in a frontal bayonet charge against machine gun positions. In other words, knives against machine guns. Three more days of costly battle delivered the final victory. The Canadian operation was an important success even where the larger British and French offensive which had been a part had failed. But it was a victory at a heavy cost. 3,598 Canadians were killed and another 7,000 wounded. If you want to do the math to that, it looks like about, not very many went unscratched, but they did win the victory. Vimy became a symbol for the sacrifice of the Young Dominion, meaning Canada. In 1922, the French government ceded to Canada in perpetuity Vimy Ridge and the land surrounding it. The gleaming white marble and haunting sculptures of the Vimy Memorial were unveiled in 1936. And they stand as a terrible, pugnant reminder of the 11,285 Canadian soldiers killed in France who had no graves. You see, it was a great victory, a victory that we remember today and is celebrated actually on the day of Vimy Ridge. They have a memorial of when that happened. It's mentioned obviously when we think of Remembrance Day. 
because it was so significant and such an amazing victory. But church, there's something um, interesting about amazing victories. The ones that we never forget, the ones that get monuments made for them. The greatest victories come from the nastiest battles. Did you hear me? The greatest victories come from the ugliest battles. So we're going to talk about living in victory, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm not going to make out that you will play no part or that you will have no battles. Because there's no such thing as a victory without a battle. Let me give you some scripture. Romans 8, 35 to 37. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who love us. Overwhelming victory. Whoo! Now, I don't know, there's some stuff in there that I didn't like in the first verse, but guess what? We get the victory. We are called and we are made able to live in victory because of Christ. We are not meant to live in defeat. We are not meant to live just crawling by. We are meant to live in victory. Obviously, victory is the opposite of defeat. And unfortunately, I've met too many people who live defeated. They live as though the world is out to get them. Nothing good ever happens for them. They live with their head down or their head up and they're angry. Either direction, they are living defeated. Church, we're not to live defeated. We are not a defeated group of people. Do you hear me? We are a people who have the victory. And we are called to live in victory. Now I'm going to give you a few points today fairly quickly because of time. And we're going to go deeper in the weeks ahead. But I'm just going to give you three different ways I believe God wants us to live in victory. Number one, God wants us to live in victory over sin. And some of you here are like, I don't know if I've heard him preach about sin before. Well, we are going to. God wants us to have victory over sin. 1 John 5, 1-4 says, Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. We're supposed to have victory over the world, not be sucked into it in every idea it has that might be against God. Hebrews 12, 1-4, and verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. You won't become weary and give up. 
After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Maybe there's a little bit of a battle with temptation or the things that the enemy is trying to get you to do. He says, don't give up, don't quit. Think about what Christ went through. You see, we haven't given our lives in our struggle against sin. We fight the battle, we win the battle. I'm bringing this up for a reason because sometimes in our time frame, I'll say, there's people who feel that, well, you know, I just don't think I want to fight anymore. It's just the way I am. I'll just sin. And Jesus will love me anyways. He will love you. Jesus loves everybody. But your actions will have repercussions. And whether you like it or not, there is a place called hell. And he doesn't want anybody to go there. And so that's why he gave us his word, and that's why he died on the cross. Not just to forgive us of our sins, but to set us free from our sin. And we can live in victory over sin. Luke 9, verse 23 and 24. Then he said, this is Jesus, to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Someone brought to me a quote, and I've changed it slightly, but he said this. The good news for you and I is that Jesus died for us and loves us no matter what. The bad news is that we have to give up our own way and die to ourselves. Oh, I just wanted the good news part. Those who followed Jesus at the beginning just wanted the good news part too. They just wanted the miracles and the healings and nothing more. The fact that Jesus loves you and I is shown in his sacrifice for us and his willingness to make it possible for us to have the power to overcome evil and to overcome sin. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 4. This is John again in the book of Revelation, seeing and hearing from God. And he's hearing, actually, at this point, messages for the church. And this is the church of Sardis. And he says, Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels, they are mine. All who are victorious, and he is in context talking about being victorious over evil or sin. So you and I, because of Christ, can live in victory over sin. And I'm not going any deeper than that today. That will be a future message. So, say this. Because of Christ, I can live in victory over sin. God also, I believe, wants us to live in victory in our finances. And we've spoken of finance from time to time. He wants us to live in victory in our finance. Let me just give you some verses. John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, this scripture tells us there's an enemy which wants to steal, kill, and destroy, which means there's a battle. But through Christ, we can have victory in our finance. 
There is a battle for your finance. Anybody who knows that? There is. And there is a spiritual battle as well. However, through Christ, we can have victory. Let me give you a couple more verses. Deuteronomy 8, 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Oh, some people aren't going to like that verse. Go back and check the context of it, and you'll see he's actually talking about giving. But we're not going to go there today. Because, well, you know, if there's... If you like the poverty message for Christians, you will not like that verse. Anyways, we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Uh, but because of Christ, you've got to realize there, why were we able to have more than enough? Because of Christ. Okay? That's important. So because of Christ, I can live in victory in my finances. All right, the third point. God wants us to live in victory in our health. Acts chapter 10, 38. It says that Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So Jesus, when he was here, spent his time healing people. And the fact that it says they were oppressed of the devil, once again, means we have an enemy against our health. Where there's an enemy, there's a battle. Where there's a battle, Christ can give us victory. So I've given you three areas where I believe we battle, but we can have victory. And this is no different. Health can be a battle, and more of a battle for some. But because of Christ and understanding that, hey, this could be spiritual, this can be changed for the better. Now as we get into some of these, you'll see that Part of the way to win the battle and have victory is by gaining wisdom. When we talked about finances, wisdom was the thing that made Solomon the richest man in the world. You see, you don't get victory in your finances by winning the lottery. Some people are like, oh, come on, wouldn't that be victory? No, it wouldn't. You get victory in finances by gaining wisdom of how to use finance. It's the truth. We're not going to go too far into that. But I, I can feel someone like, what did you mean about the lottery? So I'll go back to the lottery. <laughs> Here we go. All right, so here's the thing. I remember hearing a story of a gentleman, and he lived in the East, and he won the lottery. It was millions of dollars. And he had actually, I believe, I could be wrong if he bought the ticket or someone gave him money, but he was almost a street person. He won the lottery, and I believe it was within six months, it was all gone, and he was back where he started. You see, without wisdom, you just end up back where you are. Each of us is right where we are in our finances because of the wisdom we have right now. That's the truth. They're like, no, I'm just waiting for, you know, some inheritance or some big money out of the sky. No, we are where we are because of the wisdom we have right now. All right. <laughs> oh, man. 
It's okay. I looked at my bank account today, too. So <laughs> how did that happen? Okay. All right. Because of the wisdom that I have is where I, why I am right where I am. It's, a, it's the truth. And I'm thankful that the Lord is going to give us more wisdom, more understanding, and more ability in all of these areas. But we're talking about health. Let me give you another scripture. Psalm 103, verse 1. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That is good scripture. You see... We're all taught that, well, every year you're going to get older and sicker and, you know, everything's going to go wrong. Well, it didn't say that here. It said that, thank you, Lord, you heal my diseases, you forgive my sin, and you restore my youth. Woo! Somebody say amen. (laughs) I remember as a youth riding a unicycle. I might have to do that on stage here or something. No, I won't do that. They'd be like, what kind of circus is this church? <laughs> I won't, I promise. But restoring our youth, yes, he can. I know he can. Ooh, that's good. All right, moving on. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Church, we can't live in victory just by our own strength, that's a for sure. You are not going to do it just in your own power. You need Christ. Every one of these points of battle that I mentioned, you need Christ. Yes, you will have to stand up. You will need to gain wisdom. You will need to fight, maybe in prayer. But you will have Christ working through you. You will have Christ who's already won the battle. You know, it's pretty easy to fight when you know how it's going to end. When you know how it's going to end, and you know that he's got you, and he says you win, well, you can fight with no fear You can battle without a worry. It's easy to battle when you're not worried. It's tough to battle when you're scared. How many have ever seen a little kid play soccer who's scared of the ball? That's painful to watch. (laughs) The ball comes their way and they're about to get it. They go this way and they don't touch the ball the whole game. It's hard to battle when you're scared. Let the Lord take the fear from you and whatever it is, if it's the finance, if it's the health, Whatever it is, let him take the fear. We need to follow Christ, not our desires. You see, it's not right for us to say, well, I have a desire, I have a temptation, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. Christ died for that, and he said, follow me. Go ahead and crucify the old life, the old flesh, the sinful nature, and come and follow me. We must be willing to fight the good fight of faith, as one scripture says. We need to be able to resist the devil, and he'll flee from us, as another scripture says. 
we do this and we will live in victory. And because I have Christ, I can live in victory every day of my life. We can and we will. So what I'm going to do is pray over you as a congregation. All right. Lord, I thank you for your people here tonight. I thank you that you love them and you see them as conquerors, more than conquerors. You see them as victorious believers. You see them as people who take ground, not lose ground. You see them as people who are champions, people who have businesses that succeed. You see them as successful. You see them as overcomers. Lord, let your people today see themselves the way you see them. And let them step up with boldness and confidence. We command fear, leave. We say, let wisdom pour in. Lord, where we're doing it wrong, reveal it to us. Show us how to do it better. We ask this now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.